Hello, my name is Bridget, and I've never seen The Shape of Water. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fine Owl Watch It. As always, my name is Adam. I'm Johnny. And this is the show where we show somebody, anybody, a friend, a family member, a complete stranger, a movie they have never seen before that they probably should have. As you heard up top, Bridget is with us today on the hot seat, and we are taking a look at an Academy Award winning film, Uh, right? Yes. 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 The Shape of Water from 2017. So this is our newest film that didn't just come out in theaters. So, uh, Bridget, welcome. Thank you. This is going to be something that we have not done yet, which is a newer film that isn't immediately I didn't in really theaters. think about that coming into this tonight. Yeah, how so new this of is, a movie it is. Yeah, so this is from 2017. This is a Guillermo del Toro picture that my hesitancy couldn't remember, but this won Best Picture in 2017, 2018. It that did. Was. I had to look it up, but it did, yeah. Okay, cool. So this is, is this also the first one that's won Best Picture that we've done? Uh, Singing in the Rain probably uh, did not or did. I don't. I know we've had winners before, but I think this might be the first. And we've had first. some that people would argue were Best Picture winners, Pulp yeah. Fiction. But I think this is the first one where it may have actually won Best Picture. Yeah, what about Mystic River? No, all that, the, that was, that all, was all the acting ones, yeah. yeah. Fact check that, we'll clean this whole yeah. thing out if we realize that there were five <laughs> others that we did. <laughs> no one will ever hear those. Um, um, death to Smoochie? Didn't definitely. Go, didn't... No. Razzie. Yeah. Not for Razzie's best picture. All not for worst picture, though. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just Robin Williams or somebody in that movie got. Oh, so there was at least all Razzie somewhere. Yeah, I know yeah. we've done movies with Razzie Award winners, and I think that was one of them. Yeah. I don't remember. I but... think I got most of them. Yeah. My, <laughs> yeah. My, my never all seen. the ones we show you are Razzie Award winners, and the ones we show Bridget are best <laughs> yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah. I thank you for that. Uh, well, Bridget, this is obviously something that is more recent uh, and something that won awards. So, how did you how did you miss this movie? Um, I'm not great at seeing new things. You know, I have a podcast with you both where we go and revisit old movies. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of a person who likes to go back and rewatch things I already know, um, and that tendency gets compounded as soon as someone says. This thing is really good. You should watch it. Mm. Coming from a friend or the Academy. Doesn't matter. I will immediately be like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. I don't Um, like recommendations. I don't have, (laughs) you think you know me? Um, so I just missed it. I don't know. And haven't gone back to it. I did see it had reappeared on a streaming service. And so I was thinking about watching it and then realized it was on the list and here we are now johnny you have seen this correct i have seen this yeah um i maybe have only seen it completely once yeah um i think this was more of a you know i would say in the past like decade or so i started getting into like what was been nominated especially since they kind of opened it up to like 10 Mm -hmm. movies and Mm -hmm. so some of the ones that maybe would have slipped through i mean obviously this one won so it wasn't like a seven or eighth pick it was 
obviously like a top tier. But it could have been one of those movies where in a five movie year, five years ago, it may have not made it. It may have not made it, and even, then yeah, and or even beforehand, like but you come like like Lord of the Rings is one of the first like fantasy type of movies that even mm-hmm. got any sort of recognition. So I think even before that, this movie would have never gotten any sort of like the recognition or uh, award sort of stuff. But yeah, just the once, I remember liking it. I remember liking a lot of, there were a lot of really cool scenes in it, a lot of cool production design, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, I do, I'm not going to name drop anyone because I'm not sure if Bridget knows who is in it or not. I do remember liking a number of the actors and actresses in it, mm-hmm. but I'll kind of leave it there. I'll leave maybe some of the things that I remember being a critique in my in my book, but um, I don't know what about you, Adam. I saw it just the once, I think this was... 2017 was the year that I was, like, seeing a movie every single week because, like, I had Mondays off. So I was just, like, going and seeing a movie every week and was, like, trying to write reviews and stuff like that. So this is one that I actually went back through my phone to, like, look at the notes I took after I tried to look up myself because I used to do – I used to, like, rate all my movies – like, rate a bunch of movies for a while, like, on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I had, like, a username and I'd rate – but I stopped doing that, like, the summer of 2017. So, like – because to to your point, I think this came out in the holiday season where yeah. you get you have time off and the theater is just loaded at least at one week at a time of just like amazing movies because you mm-hmm. know the studios always just stack their stuff for award season or whatever. So I don't think this came out in the, like the summer. This was like no, a, this was like a like Christmas, November, yeah. December, yeah. That that was the one time I saw it. I had to look at my notes from when I saw it to be like, did. Did I even like it back then? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I had know. to think about it for a minute. Yeah. And I think I was pretty middle of the road on it. But again, it was a best picture winner. So beyond knowing what we've discussed now, Bridget, what do you kind of know about this movie? Um, I know it's a Guillermo del Toro picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at least pretty sure of that going in. Um, I know that one of the main characters is a deaf woman or maybe a mute woman. Okay. One of the other characters is a fish man, fish man. Uh, One of the other characters is played by Michael Shannon, who I love. Okay, yes, yep. Um, I don't think it's set in a present-day time period. From what I can remember of the trailers, there seemed to be more of a uh, vintage vibe, almost like Bioshock era, if you wanted to place it in a fantasy land. Um, and the poster has that vibe too, especially because it's you know Bioshock takes place underwater. Yeah, um, this is a movie podcast, but Bioshock is a, a video game. Just in case anybody <laughs> doesn't know, uh, that does take place underwater, so it does kind of have a similar vibe, and the the, the sets do have a similar aesthetic. As it's well. sort of yeah, like almost like it's like a made up time period where you see technology. Again, I could be wrong. You're melding with different eras. I don't remember. Mm. Kind of like in the same vein, I think, as like Bioshock 2, if I remember, like it was like set, you know, decades ago, but you have like sort of like newer-ish technology. I could be wrong. But yeah, I totally get the whole Bioshock reference on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There may be love. She and Fishman may fall in love, but I don't know really much else besides it it did win the oscar have you seen pan's labyrinth i have and i loved pan's labyrinth when i saw it okay so i think you're really gonna like this one yeah Mm -hmm. because i think it shares a lot of the dna Mm -hmm. with that movie quite a bit yeah um it like the way that del toro mixes genres and sort of these happy bright moments with like juxtaposed with just like stark violence and it's it's 
it's if you like that Pan's Labyrinth stuff where you were mm-hmm. shocked one moment and gleefully the next, like I think you're going to enjoy this yeah. a lot. Yeah. How do you guys? Because have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? I have. Yeah. yeah, I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. I think just the once in college. I think probably around the time it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember it other than Eye Hands Guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and some of the more fantastical, almost Alice in Wonderlandy style vibes to it, but I don't remember the plot details or mm-hmm. anything going on in it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Guillermo del Toro movies are the Hellboy ones. Just, you know, the comic booky stuff. Obviously, it's my milieu, but uh, I do just cool. really yeah. enjoy both of those movies. The first one more so than the second, uh, and still desperately hoping that one day they'll finish the trilogy, but I don't ever see that happening now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen completely any of the Hell- the Hellboys, but I have seen what he's done with like Pacific Rim and some of the other stuff hmm. that he did. Pacific Rim was good. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. Again, I think we're done with monster movies for the next, like, two years. Even though I think we're kind of going into it tonight. Yeah, it's true. We can't, um, we can't get away. But, yeah, I like Pan's Labyrinth. Again, not one that I revisited quite a bit. I can't... I, I think for the same reasons why I haven't visited this one, and I can't really peg why I haven't revisited, because it has a lot that I enjoy in movies. But, yeah... Remember a couple of things of Pan's Labyrinth, namely that guy putting like a Coke bottle through that dude's skull, which was pretty rough to watch. That's right. Yeah. I always think of the the mom passing as oh, a ba- like that. Yeah. That part of the movie. Right, right, right. Obviously a very visual director, which I like mm-hmm. a lot. You know, he puts a lot of his budget and time and effort into what is around the actor as opposed to the actors themselves, I think he casts good people, so he doesn't have to rely so much on them falling behind on the job or anything. They just yeah. He knows they're going to do a good job so he can focus on everything else. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this one. Again, namely, it's cool that I found, well, not found someone, but know someone who has not seen this movie, which I think is, is, is not a tough job. I think a lot of people have not seen this movie, but it's going to be cool to sort of see you react to it and, and again for me i think the lens that i went through it when i first saw it was like oh this is an academy award winner i'm putting up against and i can't even you know if you we can look it up later on what was what was going up against in 2017 but i would imagine whatever else was around it i maybe enjoyed more than this and that's probably why i got lost or fell through the cracks over the years for me mm-hmm. was this this a star is born year no that's no. later yeah this might be like La La Land or something like that. No, well, no, because no, that, yeah, that, that was Moonlight. I was like, is this pre or post yeah, Moonlight? Right. Yeah, this fiasco. is this is pre. All right, so best picture that year was The Shape of Water, Call Me by Your Name, oh. Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay, so there's a number in there that I liked. Yeah, a number, I, a number that are kind of bewildering while they're on the list, but. Again, I think it's just a lot of you got to pat out the. You need to get close to ten now. You yeah. can't just have five because right. you're yeah. able to have ten. Yes. So I think they throw some in there. Uh, mileage may vary, but I mean, out of that year, like I liked Three Billboards. I thought the post was good. I liked Lady Bird a lot. I liked I Get Out. Yeah. Um, Dunkirk was fine. I didn't think it was anything. Same. Yeah. I didn't really spectacular. Get the it. I didn't like Phantom Thread. I just, it was one of those... I don't, well, I know you. I don't think that'd be your type of movie anyways. No. Um, I really enjoyed that movie just because I love Paul Thomas Anderson, and the music is just so whimsical and beautiful and just wild. I think, we, Bridget, I think me and you and yeah. Brian, we all saw it together. We're, yeah. Um, 
yeah, there there are things from that movie like I can't start my day with a confrontation that I, you know, <laughs> lines that have stuck with me. Right, yeah. But even like Call Me by Your Name, I really enjoyed. Um, so there there are some movies there that I think maybe just overshadowed this one for me. Even though I think I didn't hate this movie or didn't dislike it, I just again sort of got muddled with everything else. Yeah, I definitely remember being surprised that it won out of everything, just because there were things on that list that I did enjoy more than this one, but. I do remember kind of being like, this guy deserves his due yeah. type of award opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some, like how they gave like Scorsese like The, the Departed, Departed, you know what I mean? It's like, yes, very amazing movie. What Were there movies that he absolutely deserved to get beforehand? Yes, like a hundred mm-hmm. times over. But this might have been one where they were like, oh, like Pan's Lap was that good and it was so overlooked and this was really good and it's just enough. Like, let's just give him the fucking thing sort of, I, again... I don't want to say he didn't deserve it, but yeah. it may have been one of those cases where it was like, okay, this guy deserves uh, some awards now because this is good stuff. Bridget, did you say if you had a particular favorite Guillermo del Toro movie? I guess it would be Pan's Labyrinth. I really, really liked it when I first saw it, watched it frequently when I was younger, have not revisited it since. That genre, that movie in particular at least flirts it is a fantasy, but it feels because it's grounded in actual historical events, very much is in the kind of magical realism genre, which I love. So I'm hoping there'll be some of that. But it's got like the here. horror elements. It's, it's like got something for everyone, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you would not invite a child to watch that or this movie, but I mean, it has those like, if you took a slice of it, it's like I'm watching like an old Disney movie, like a Mary mm-hmm. Poppins type of thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I totally get what you're saying with that. Yeah, I can't even think of too many movies outside of Pan's Labyrinth before that. Were there any sort of movies that he had any that kind of Pan's Labyrinth kind of put him on the map, really? Yeah, I was just looking. I was surprised. He directed Blade 2, which I didn't think I, I didn't know that. Oh. Um, We're getting to, like, the Fincher Aliens 3. Like, let's just hire the new guy to do something. Yeah. Pick up this shit. But. So it's a lot of, looks like, Spanish language stuff, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting you all the way into Blade 2 in 2002, Hellboy in 2004, and then Pan's Labyrinth Did he do, like, a horror movie called The Others or The Other Ones or something like that? I'm even thinking of some other Spanish director. Yeah, that's a different... The one he did was Crimson Peak. Okay. That was his kind of, like, horror yeah. movie. Oh, was that directed by him, too? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and that came out in 2015. Yeah. So that was just a couple of years before this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one, I think, was more of the, the horror vibe than, yeah. right, right. than anything. And then this... Dark Gothic. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Michael Shannon. Did you mention anyone else? Because I don't want to say any other names, but... Fishman, you know Fishman, Amphibious Man. Yeah, I I just know Fishman and Michael Shannon. Okay, yeah. very cool. Because I definitely know there are other people that one I think you like, and then obviously two you would recognize as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I think you'll recognize the main woman. She's been in some things, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think there are a couple other people. Yeah, she was like, definitely oh. given some stuff after this too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any other points then that we want to get into before we jump into this? Not for me. I'm ready to dive. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Get toes in the Figure out what the shape of water is. Amorphous. Yes. It's amorphous. Then it would be a lady in the water. Yeah, yes. Johnny, anything else from you? Uh, No, I'm excited to see it for the second time. Yeah. Fully. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to to revisit it because I don't really remember how I felt about it at the time, which 
may or may not be a good thing. <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm excited because I think we both share that same sort of thought on it. So hopefully we uh, come out with it on top. Yeah. Um, and we're not fighting Bridget about how uh, how bad of a movie don't drop. Yeah. But, yeah. Hopefully um... everybody's heads above water. <laughs> yep. All right then, Bridget, what do you have to say for yourself? Fine, I'll watch it. Just finished watching 2017's Academy Award winning film by Guillermo del Toro, The Shape of Water. Bridget, you were on the hot seat this week, so I want to know, how are you feeling? Overwhelmed. I just, that movie was very stressful because I just wanted her and him to be happy. And the (laughs) fact that we made it at the end was a real, I wasn't sure if we were going to make it. Yeah, it was a real roller coaster ride up until the exact, exact last second. And beautiful score, great performances. I don't know if I loved it though. Okay. All right. Well, I don't well, know entirely if it just because I was so stressed the entire time, like emotionally. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll get into it. Well, Johnny, you and I both haven't seen this since theaters or the 2017 2018 Oscar yep. run. How did you feel after watching this movie again? I think I kind of feel the same. Um, yes, a lot of the points Bridget said. Beautiful looking movie. The score is great. The performances are great. I love the casting. I like the way the movie looks. I like the way it moves. Um, particularly kind of early on, almost in the middle of it, where it almost seems like another movie would have you you would have got him out of said facility, like in the third act, where it sort of happens kind of in the middle, mm-hmm. and there's all this sort of like almost you know, epilogue-ish sort of stuff going on where, oh, wow, there's this whole other part of the movie where they're outside of the lab. Yeah. Because we don't even think we really go, well, we go back to it a couple times. Yeah, really enjoy it, but I feel like it's just a movie that kind of dissipates in my mind over time, like last time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that I think I admire a lot more than I really love. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's very rich, too. There's a lot happening, like different themes, different symbols. It's almost, like, too rich. It's like a too chocolatey chocolate cake. Yeah. Yeah, Guillermo is trying And you're again. like, please, I need a slice of ice cream, please. <laughs> and that ice cream is get in the fucking canal. Yeah. Or I'm going to lose it. You need some candy with a little nougat. Right. Yeah, right, right. Yes, I am one of those people. I will take some nougat. Thank you very much. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, I feel about the same as I remember. Again, I don't really remember my exact feeling the last time that I watched it, but... You know, double checking back on like the notes that I wrote 
immediately post seeing it the first time. I still like all the same things. The cast is great. The score is great. All the music that they pump in throughout is great. There's one subplot that I don't really like. You know, I don't I don't think it gives anything to the movie and we'll touch on it as we get to it. Uh, and I still kind of feel that way about it. Where I'm just like, eh, this part, this one element wasn't really needed in it. Uh, but overall, it's a really good movie that has a lot going for it. But you're right where it's just like, Everything in it is good, but I don't know that I love it. Like, it's a good movie. It's just not one that I think I'll continue to watch or that will stick with me past this viewing until the next time I have to show it to somebody else yeah. or, you know, I happen I happen upon it. Right. It's such a weird hybrid of a movie that I think that's what kind of takes points away, I think, a little bit where it's, again, like we talked about earlier, this, these horror elements, these fantastical elements... It's really fun and whimsical and almost musical-like for stretches of it. And Mm -hmm. then it's very violent and there's a guy literally getting his face fish-hooked. You know what I mean? So it's... it's, There's a lot of those things that I like in movies, but I like when those things are in their own movie and not existing in like this blender of of a movie, if you know what I mean. It's cool and it works for long stretches, but I think it kind of hurts itself a little bit too. I also, there are points in the movie where I do want it to pick up the pace and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it, it is, Yeah, it's simmering when it should be a rolling boil. Like I said, I think when it gets to like that, that surprising second half where you're sort of away from it and you're away from the thrill of getting them out, it's like, you almost think that they would be on top of them a little bit more. And it seems like you almost forget like, oh, they like didn't even like pick up the fact that it's them or that. And then it's like... So this yeah. guy's actually like two or three steps behind mm-hmm. instead of being kind of like on top of them. Yeah, and I feel like I want more, you know, time with him in the apartment and, you know, like E.T. opening up the fridge and drinking a bunch of chorus Light. I wanted that in this movie. Right, little fish out of water yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, which we get some of, but then it's eating a cat and... Right, he's yeah. a cat, and he watches a few minutes of Cleopatra or something. I don't know what he's watching yep. downstairs, but yeah. Um, that Bible movie. <laughs> yeah, that's story Bible of movie. Ruth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tonally, it, it is kind of all over the place, like you said. And I think the shift in character perspective changes once they get him out of the water. Like, it's no longer about him and about... Um, I can't even remember. Sally Hawkins, I don't remember her name. Oh, Eliza. Eliza. Eliza, It's yeah. mostly about... Michael Shannon in the second half. Like, it's mostly about his incompetence in finding this. Unsocking his mess up. Yeah, his his cartoonish evil. Yeah. And so I think Which he does perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Oh, if you want someone to do... To ham it up. Just absolute psychopath, he is your man. Yeah, Yeah, kind of Michael Shannon speed dial, yeah. But... (laughs) In... Like, I was almost disappointed just because... The other characters feel so grounded, so lived in, so natural. You know, our three heist doers, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just so, he's racist. He's a rapist. He mm-hmm. says things like, my thumb, my trigger finger, and my pussy finger, is that what he says? Yeah. Are safe. He's foul on so many levels mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel right. Yeah, people are like guest starring from different movies. In yeah, this movie. 
trying to think. Yeah, like I said, if you if you took like ten minutes slice of this movie, it's like, oh, this is nice. It's something I would show my grandmother or whatever. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's no absolutely not. You know, yeah. and it's it's, it's just... cool and it's unique and because not a lot of people have done that sort of thing. Where mm-hmm. it's like it's very Disney, then it's very mm-hmm. Tarantino, and it, then it's yeah, yeah. And it is uh, that was what I was thinking the entire time. I'm like, I guess this is sort of like an adult answer to Beauty and the Beast, uh, a Disney yeah. princess movie. Right, they call yeah. her a princess right right from the start. But I wish we had dialed Michael Shannon down just a little bit. I liked what they did with making it clear why our, our three main kind of human protagonists are outcasts. Uh, Zelda because of her race. Eliza because of her handicap. Yeah, Eliza, because she she doesn't speak. What's the the friend's name? Uh, Richard Jenkins. Are, it's it's slipping, but yeah, he's a he's, kind of a closeted homosexual. Yeah, yeah, who's who's down on his luck, his his work. He's a man out of time. The work that he's done forever no longer exists. They don't want hand drawn illustrations. It's photos, and that I think gives you better context to you know the challenges of people who would have been underdogs just based off of the status quo but i don't know that you need michael shannon in his beautiful mid-century house and his cadillac and his 2.5 kids and yeah yeah, (laughs) bonanza and no there there is like a really really good like 90 to 100 minute movie in this two hour i think in change yeah it's a 205 but again, I don't feel a lot of it. It's I think I do feel a little bit when we get back to the apartment and it's kinda like all oh, this stuff's kinda going on and Michael Shannon's kinda just you know, trying to save his ass and he's yeah. buying Cadillacs and he's back at home. Just and his fingers are getting grosser. so gnarly, just it's like two pieces of like, I don't even know, slim jims or something, like get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. And I love how slowly people around him are like, Do you smell that? What is that? Yeah. yeah. Like, That's your fingers, dude. The, yeah, do something about Take it. Take care yeah. of it. And and poor uh, Octavia Spencer gets the fingers thrown in her apartment at the end. That's oh, pretty disgusting. Yeah, yeah, ripped off right in her face. Right. Yeah, it's just such a weird movie, and it's even weird enough that it ended up not only like getting. I guess he wouldn't get nominated, especially in the breadth of like ten movies getting nominated. But mm. that's kind of like maybe what really kind of detracted me a little from the movie. It's like really like like Best Picture because I don't know if I saw it after Best Picture or I saw it beforehand. Because unfortunately, sometimes it happens to me where like I get like hyped up for like a movie. Oh, this is gonna be the best picture or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you watch it. It's like, what? What? Like I like it's cool and unique and I enjoy a lot of it, but it's like, I like calling by your name and fit, again, there's other ones in the list that I think are more. And again, I'm not like, oh, it's an Oscar. It's it's a good movie. And if it's not nominated, it's it's not a good movie. Like I'm not that yeah. type of person. But it's just... it's but there's a, an expectation it, when you hear this was the best picture of the right, year that yeah. it's going to be more than just eye candy and good. Yeah. There's going to be something else there that elevates That's it. why I think, you know, it's unfortunately the Oscars has become sort of political in a lot of different spectrum as far as like people who owe their due and then what's topical and what, what can't we ignore that we have to recognize and, you know, because there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I think are like, you know taboo and things like that of its time that yeah. like just certainly weren't talked about in mm-hmm. the 50s or 40s or whatever this is sort of created or meant or meant to be uh set in when i think a lot yeah. of it too i can understand it from the perspective of getting picked because 
at its heart, it is just an old-fashioned love story oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are so many elements of it, and I think it's good that they keep showing those old-fashioned musicals and old-timey song and dance movies on there. Yeah. Because there's some, there is something whimsical about it. There is something that when they're embracing, like, you feel it. Like, you feel the love and the attraction. Oh, it's and, all earned, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's why it probably got nominated and probably why it won is because it has this almost nostalgic feel of like this is what old timey Hollywood man meets woman or woman meets man they fall in love against all odds. Yeah, it has a universal appeal to yeah. a lot of different people in the theater. Like I think anyone who went to go see this, they're walking away with something. They may not have loved it, but the one person be like, "Hell yeah! Look at all the blood and all this violence!" And the and then some people go, "Oh, look at the cool creature design or the this the set design." And some. You know, some people in the audience may just be, you know, taken back by the the, the love story. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it's so classic. You know, it's just it's like you said, like a Beauty and the Beast type of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, and I don't even I don't know that I could run through like the whole plot of this movie kind of like we normally do, just because yeah. it bounces around a lot. I was yeah. like, I my notes. I was I, I try I to you. keep. Well, I, I try to keep the plot so that way we can reference it in the end. Sure. And yeah. I have a whole page of notes because it's just like quick scene, quick scene, quick scene, quick scene. Mm-hmm. And they're all just little dialogue pieces. Some of them are very similar. Like we constantly come back to right. like the Russians. And it's just a quick little two, three, five minute scene. And then we're moving on to the next two, three, five minute scene. And so it, it is kind of hard to like pull out the the plot so to speak yeah even though it is very much just like a you know beat by beat here are the different things going on there's not like set pieces really it is just quick scene quick scene. yeah there's quick nothing scene. complex about it there's nothing where i have to write the sound or remember it's not a courtroom drama it's none of this stuff yeah or, i mean even how did the we Roger get from Rabbit one stuff, murder like, to, to the other out, like, the yeah. detective story yeah. what's going on like it's very easy to follow and i think it's it's supposed to be that way. It's yeah. supposed to be like you're flipping through like a kid's book almost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a kid's book that starts with a woman masturbating. Right, time. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best Don't time. forget. <laughs> yeah. um, At least your gram- you'll know that your grandmother's not on board for this the very first scene. The very the first, yeah. yeah. It's funny. Like, I'm, I, I believe this is a movie that I may have recommended to my parents. Just be like, oh, yeah, you'll enjoy it. But like those scenes, since they happen early on, you sort of forget about it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yep. So I may have gotten like a phone call like twenty like, minutes. Yeah, like, what, you... what is what is this? <laughs> Masturbating to an egg timer in the tub, yeah. Johnny. We don't appreciate it. Yeah, but like those are things. For some reason, it's like a thing that I love and a thing that I don't like about the movie. Like how different and unique it is. Like something like that is so like stark and cool in the beginning. It's like that. Like I've never seen that before. Or yeah, you know right, what I mean? Right or, off the bat. Right off the bat. Um, or if you do, it's like a Titanic where it's in the middle. You know, you yeah you, yeah. You get introduced to the characters. As people, not as just this woman disrobing and getting in the tub and, you know, yeah. right, one right, right. Yeah. And, like, you've already sort of been introduced to her with by the narrator as this tragic figure, this beautiful woman, this princess, and then she wakes up and she's masturbating, which is, right, you know, right. a complete 180. Yeah. I will say the one thing they could have... They- they avoided smartly was showing him very early on, like fully and not doing mm-hmm. like the whole Jaws thing where like you don't see him fully until like the third act. Cause you have to like look at him and like buy his look or get over his look or fall in love with his look like mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. So you're like in the same mindset as her because otherwise it's like once you find a song, it's like, 
wait, that's what she is falling in love with? You exactly. know, it's exactly so because again, like it's not, I don't think right off the bat anyone's like, wow, he's so gorgeous. Like, you kind of have to, yeah. no. first you're like, this guy is like gross, and then it's like, well, he looks kind of gnarly, you know what yeah. I mean? He looks kind of like a like a marble, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some sort of like blown glass work or something. I'm kidding, like, you know, his skin is very yeah. like, it's it iridescent. looks like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's got he, a good sheen. It's got a good sheen to yep. it. Looks like a marble. He does look like a giant marble. Especially um. at the end. Especially <laughs> yeah. once he starts glowing. Yeah, once he starts glowing. Then Those are the like, special yeah, marbles that you bring marbles. out for your, your kill shots. Um, that's what happens in marbles. But I guess while we're there, I will say that I'm glad that they went as practical and makeup heavy as they did. Because only certain elements of him are CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not easy. Like, she's constantly hugging some guy in a green suit. Or we got some sort of golem thing going on mm-hmm. where it's like, this is obviously. So you kind of, his character is... Filmed in camera for the most part, which yeah. is a smart move, too. All of this is done in camera. It's all a lot of practical effects. And Doug Jones sells this love story. I mean, she yeah. does as well. Yeah. And she's obviously the focal point, and she's the big deal of the movie. But if he looks wonky, if he doesn't move right, if he doesn't have the head tilt and the... you know, right. like He's, yeah. he's not... kind of like leaning up against like the edge of the pool, yeah. like, and looking at her and kind of messing with the egg and... There's a lot of facial stuff going on. Because, again, I think really it's just his eyes that are not real. But even that looks good. And it's it's a very emotive. Yeah, and he's not in control of that, obviously. But all of the little head tilt, the little hand gestures, the body posturing, all of that stuff is so key to believing this movie that... It's it's crazy that he wasn't given the recognition beyond just like, oh, special effects and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think originally he wanted to be black and white. Give me a tour. He wanted the movie to be black and white. Um, and I think the, the the studio was like, we'll give you an extra $3 million or something like that if you do it in color or something like that. How do you guys think it would have worked in black and white? Uh, I don't think it would have worked great because I think ultimately what would end up being really cool in this movie and kind of stuff that I laughed at was that it's like the most green movie since The Matrix. <laughs> like aesthetically, it just yeah. so much green teal teal <laughs> yeah that like you would have never have seen the green jello you would have never seen all the green shit in the diner or the tie or and none of that would have came through in black and white although it would have been really funny if you still have it in black and white and he goes to the first oh copy right pitch and he's like i need it to be green and us as the audience are just like can't even fucking see what it's, <laughs> that, that would have been great no i agree because it, it sets up the good contrast too between the past and these relics like the old movies that are always playing on television that are really acting as her model for the romance and the future, the the pie shop that's a franchise and franchised by a racist and the Cadillac dealership. You need those contrasting. You need the pie. Yeah, and all that pop and everything. We're like in that nuclear age of just mm-hmm. like all that stuff. And uh, Yeah, because this takes place, I believe, in 1962. That's what's on all the license plates in the car dealership. Gotcha. So just as a frame of reference for what we're talking about, it's it's post-war. It's all of that. You it's know. in Baltimore, I think, if, we're, if I'm correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, so you got suburb of Washington. You've got, obviously, a lot of racial tensions at the time. And that, you know, those come in and out. And... You don't really need that necessarily for this movie because it's not really about that. Yeah. Beyond just what Octavia Spencer is going through. You'd like, you didn't necessarily need the guy who shoots down, I believe it's uh, Giles I looked up as his, oh. uh, Richard Jenkins' name. Like, you don't need that guy 
both being a homophobe and then a really, really overt racist. Like, I don't think you need necessarily both of them. Sure. But. Uh, I like it, though, because I think for him, it, for Giles in that moment, it's a reminder of Eliza is my people. She's my person and she needs me to do this. And I like, as much as I want my job back. I want the key lime pie man to be sweet to me and believe this is my real hair. Mm-hmm. He's not going to. Yeah. And did you think he was going to be as sweet as he uh, would have made out to be? He did definitely did like a three sixty like pretty quickly. <laughs> I know. Like a one eighty. Um, yeah, one eighty. <laughs> I was went right back to being nice again. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm, well, I'm sorry. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I I was concerned about the flirting at the beginning because I think. Even at the time they first go to the pie shop, green has already been established as a kind of bad color, scary Mm. danger. It's talked about, like, one of them says green is the color of the future. I think they say that in the first diner meeting. And it shows up, Strickland eats that green candy all the time. He gets Mm. the green Cadillac. Green is the color of the future. It has this menace to it. It does too, but I also think what it does is it helps our friend, the uh, the amphibious man, where I don't think he really has a name at this point, true. Um, because he is green, so when he's finally out in our world, he looks like he fits in, like, composition-wise, you know what I mean? He, true. He's green. If he was, like, red or blue, it's like, what? what is that, you know what I mean? But, and again, obviously he doesn't look human at all, and anyone would see him on the street would be like, yeah, this does, thing doesn't belong here, but... For our eyes, he just sort of fits into the aesthetic of the movie perfectly that it's like we don't even bother to point out the fact that he has scales and he looks like a marble. Yeah, he does fit, though, when he comes out of the like the tank and is in the real world. It's not this stark contrast to everything. And Even though he is kind of green and, and scaly, the rest of the world, the, like the color palette of the world is also very muted. It's so, very muted, yeah. Yeah, so like a lot of it takes place at night because she works the overnight shift. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps with that a lot because if this took place during the day and it was all these like big vibrant colors and that like that the almost like back to the future 1950s style color sure. palette and vibe to it, he would have stood out like a literal fish out of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the work to match the, the color scheme of the creature within the rest of the world helps tie it all together so it doesn't seem so crazy. Right. That... It's really just the blood that I think really is like the color that pops in this movie because everything else, like you said, is muted. It's like the blood that really kind of pops. Mm-hmm. And Surprising her, her red of... coat, too. Yeah. I think even when she's like, at one point, she's looking at the shoes mm-hmm. in the department store and those are like a bright, vibrant red, whereas like the ones that they're wearing to work are just black and they're standard. And sure. You can tell that she pines for more like this Mm -hmm. is the luxury that i don't have and this is kind of what i'm looking for and that's where she kind of you know she wants that life change almost and that's what the creature then gives her yeah now bridget when you were watching it was there a point where you were like okay i'm on board i'm really digging this and was there a point that started to lose you like where did you sort of like where did it start to get wobbly for you a little bit if anything i i don't know i I think it never wobbled for me. I don't okay. think this is a movie that wobbles, but it does feel like a movie that you're just, you haven't turned the car fully on. You've turned the battery on, you've turned the lights on, right. but you haven't actually started the engine. And I 
kept wanting that. I felt like we got close, but yeah, it doesn't. A lot of admiration. Yeah, even the long, the yeah. climax doesn't feel like a real. Yeah, like I, I even towards me, like with me at the, at the end of the movie, it it's like oh wow, it's like it's finally getting to that where I'm like I'm going to love it, and it just mm-hmm. just right before it, it just drops back to like being a good movie, a likable movie. But yeah, there's. Mm-hmm. There's there's points where it's like oh I'm really gonna love this and it's like yeah and there are yeah there are scenes I'm like oh my god this is great my I think my favorite is when she's dancing for the creature and then uh, Doctor Hofstetler is just in the shadows and he has this look on his face like oh no <laughs> like, what am I seeing like, oh my god I like Michael Stolberg 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 he's great I, he like, I always yeah. forget too. that he is one like he just because he pops up all the time I think he only really had a, like uh, a lead role in a serious man of that Coen Brothers movie which mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw but yeah he's always got these great supporting roles funny enough he's sharing a screen again with Michael Shannon mm-hmm. they were uh, Boardwalk Empire, Empire. Empire yeah, correct yeah. And yeah, he just whenever he sort of pops up, you're like, yes! Like I, you stoked to see him on the screen. Yep. He's always gonna like turn in a great job, and he does a good one here because sometimes he plays like CD guys, and this one he plays a good guy, so it's good. Yeah, I think his character is my favorite. Yeah, it's it's it's. If it's not her, yeah. or I, I just least of the supporting him. roles, oh, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. The one thing I don't like about his character, I love his portrayal. I love the acting in it. I think that he's sympathetic when he needs to be. I just don't dig the Russian asset the, subplot. That subplot? Yeah. That's the one that I'm just like, we don't really need this. Like, he could just be a concerned scientist that helps them out, and then the guy thinks he's a Russian spy, but he's not, and then he takes him out or whatever when he's just going for a walk. You know, like, you could still yeah, get all he the doesn't. He things. doesn't need two sides of, of being bad in his life. He just needs to have one and then sort of redeem himself by getting away from that one yeah. and not yeah. having to get away from two different like bad sides of the movie if you know what i mean yeah, yeah like he easily could have been somebody another foil for them to help get the creature out and then he could have had a change of heart like you could have done something right he didn't need to be this undercover russian person like you could still have the we hate the ruskies and we we want to get the amphibian man dissected and figured out before the russians get to him you didn't actually need to have a russian spy in their midst to pull that off. Right. And I think you trim those scenes out that helps speed up the process. It, it helps does, the pacing yeah. a little bit. You don't need really need the double cross at the end where like he's worried they're going to shoot him in the apartment. He has the knife. Then, you, then you know the double cross is coming. Yeah. Once they show you that gun in the apartment and he gets scared, you're like, okay, there's no way. Yeah. There's you no sh- way. You're not being extracted. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. 48 hours. Yes. 48 hours. Yes, 48 hours. It's like... Yeah. The fact they're not giving you any details, the fact they're not being friendly, he won't even let you get that guy a glass of milk, like, they're all business, that that should be your dead giveaway. But I don't think you necessarily need that part of it. Yeah. Like, you could still have Michael Shannon be evil, and I don't feel that he's redeemed by killing the Russian guy. So one plot hole, at least, that I think I noticed, and maybe you can fill it in, but, um, is when she goes to get him out of the lab and she goes in and she's she's starting to like grab his neck brace whatever is around him yeah and he's the one who have the keys what was her plan like to get him out of that thing without the keys 
they, she, they wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. yeah, did you did you notice that too? I was like, okay, then like, how is she ever going to make this happen? I don't know if Without she ever... Keys in him in the room. Yeah, I don't know if she ever got close enough to where she saw the mechanism that was keeping him there. She might have thought it was just like a belt. Or like, you know, it's something where, oh, he's got fish fingers. He can't get it. He's, he's not locked in. Right. I, I don't thought, know. Well, yeah, I just... I, I don't know, because there are some times where early on she's giving him the eggs and he's swimming around that small pool and you see the chain kind of moving around. Yeah. So she knows she's, she's at the he's at the very least chained up in some sort of way. Yeah, I just don't think she realized it was lock and key chained up. Right. But yeah, so it's not quite like a plot hole per se. It's just one of those things where it's like, why didn't you think that through? You spent all these lunchtime afternoons, these right. record dates and all these different things with him. How did you not know that there was a padlock on his yeah on his collar? Again, yeah. unless you just didn't get that close to the back of his neck to realize it. Right. Um, it, it was just it was a convenience that he was there. Yeah. Willing to give the keys. Yeah. It was like okay, whatever. It was just a pill that you kind of had to swallow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you could have easily had a thing where if he wasn't there, oh, they're just on the table. Someone left them on the table. I'll grab them from the table. Mm-hmm. Or she has like the master janitor keys because she's the cleaning person. And that would have made sense right. if she has, you know, the, the master key. But, yeah, again, it is just one of those things I kept overlooked. Yeah, again, I think they're just moving his sort of character along with, like, this is a good guy, guys. He's a good guy. He's mm-hmm. not a part of the whole lab uh, thing. Did you think at any point that he was going to stay the Russian spy and try to kill him? Or did you think he was going to be on board with the escape? No, I figured he was on board with the escape, but the whole time um because of the way he looked at them when they were dancing Mm. he has just (laughs) such those wide eyes the big wide eyes and i want love like that (laughs) he can communicate he's a real person he's not an it that kind of thing yeah um and i looked his uh doug jones is just credited as amphibian man so i don't think the character yeah the character doesn't have a name they never give him one they just they call him it or him or whatever, but it's right. never Jeremy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. I feel a little bit like Johnny did after Roger Rabbit. Like I just things were ha- <laughs> colors and noise. You could follow this movie though. Yeah, this yeah. one is a little bit easier to follow. What did you think of the Eliza character overall? I don't think we've touched necessarily on her. You know her tragic She's... backstory. She's an orphan. She's. You know, she's got the voice box cut out, I guess. Yeah. Seems weird you need three cuts on both sides of the neck to get that out. Weird you have gill scars. Interesting. Okay, so so the gill scar, did you think those looked like gills? Immediately. Did you think she'd get gills by the end? Yes. Okay. Even though the movie does not necessarily make it seem like that is a guarantee yeah i mean i would have i would have kept like her hair like a bob cut some sort of like you would have not seen it until like the second or third act you're like oh what's that so they're like revealing it way early on yeah that she's somehow going to be breathing underwater with this guy mm-hmm. when we get to the end but. yeah but i guess it, it's fine because then you maybe don't think about it until Michael no Shannon i mean you do sort of forget about it because they don't show it like yeah. they and show it once in the beginning and then sort of towards the end they're doing the heavy heavy allusions to she loves water and she was found by the river or in the river i think i don't remember which Mm -hmm. but again the same sort of hallmarks of like a fairy tale or anything like that they're always just they're not shoving that shit down your throat but they're like giving you a lot of like hints and the same sort of stuff that you would give to like 
a child and make sure they're remembering, like, or following a plot or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to us, it's kind of like, you give me a lot for, like, I know what's going to happen at this point. So it does seem like they're giving you way more information than you need to sort of mm-hmm. follow, but... It's it's very dense. Yeah. Uh, it's dense visually, but I I really, I liked her character. I loved the performance when she is trying to explain to her friend about how important this is to her. I was like, oh my god, please go get oh, it. Like, oh, like, repeat after me. Yes. We're the same. So we're the of, same yeah. and, oh, devastating. Yeah. And I think that was where I was like, now we're really going to take off. And it de- it never felt like we gained that momentum back until she's crying because he's going to jump in the canal and then the two of them get shot. Yeah. Which yeah. also interrupts that emotional climax, too. Yeah, because the one, once you get underwater, feels like less of a payoff than standing on the dock and a, like a Casablanca-style goodbye. Yeah, or even just a come with me, yeah. a splash ending, if yeah. you will. Yeah, because I sort of like they give the magic of way of her being able to function or be normal underwater when she floods her own bathroom. So kind of the magic of that, like if that sort of happened like at the end... I know it's cliche, but whatever. She falls in, she almost drowns, she saves him, and then she realizes she can breathe underwater. It's mm-hmm. like, I think that, even though as cliche as it is, would have worked a little better. But yeah, they sort of introduced that magic a little early on mm-hmm. when they had the sort of like the honeymoon sort of like back at the hotel suite or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's flood the bathroom and make love and all that stuff. Well, I love the scene before that where she just goes and he touches the scar and she's like, no, I got to get out of here. And then Amelia's like, you know what? No, I'm down for this. And she goes back and like closes the curtain where they're clearly like I wrote down yeah. like, did they fuck? Yeah. Did, did they fuck? Did they? Oh, oh I the love fa- I love like the next scene where she's explaining yeah. to Octavia Spencer like she's like how it sh- works. Yeah, like the opening <laughs> yeah. up the front. It just like <laughs> never trust a man even if it looks flat. Yeah, down flat there. down there, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But even just like the smile on her face gives away that like because the next note is yeah they fucked. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah they mm-hmm. did it. And you can tell, like, early on, because how they introduced her to masturbating in the beginning, that, like, there's going to be something yeah. going on later on. She gets off underwater. Uh, That's her thing. Michael yep. Shannon likes silent girls. Yes, oh, yeah. Oh. Which is a creepy-ass scene. It's so disturbing. That, to me, feels like the bridge too far in terms of his super evil character. Well, yeah, because he has that where... His wife is like, you're bleeding on me. And he's like, shut up, just shut your mouth. Like, oh, yeah, that was disgusting. Don't it's, talk. Just shut up. Just shut up. He could still be evil and you could understand his motivation in trying to get the creature back without the weird sexual element. Yeah. Because then he takes it the step farther and he goes and touches her when she's working and cleaning up the spill because the silence turns him on. Yeah. It, well, he's just become fixated on her yeah. in a weird Michael Shannon way. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they're trying to, like, balance the sexuality in the movie with, like, her being, like, you know, at least showcasing her sexuality with, like, touching herself in the beginning and longing for that. So, like, okay, do we have another character in this movie who's also kind of, like, having their own sort of weird fetish or getting a peek into their sort of sexual life? So I think that might be the reason they stick that in there. But other than that, it's it's bizarre to get that sort of peer into his mm-hmm. well, especially the way it starts too where he's just like I'm thinking about getting a new car and the wife just rips out her boobs yeah, yeah, like, yeah, what about a Cadillac, about a Cadillac? Like, I, okay yeah I just I don't 
that to me feels like it could be cut. Yeah. I would keep the Russians and cut it's out. Just, the... Yeah, it just, again, this, it, it turns, right hand turns really quickly. Yeah. And then it sort of balances up back, back going straight again. But... And it just, it gets constant though. For It feels like he's a bad boss. He's terrible to this creature. He speaks down to Zelda. He's going to do creepy things to Eliza. One time yeah. he jaywalked. It just like you keep <laughs> I, I, I know, enough. I mean, both hands are on the wheel, but you're jerking to left and right a lot on the highway going all the way down this movie. Yeah, it's Hollywood driving. It is Hollywood driving. It really is. Hollywood's it's at like the wheel. Hollywood yeah. bus driving. Yeah. yeah. Kind of going back to what you were asking Bridget about uh, Eliza. I, I I found her very charming. I found that mm-hmm. maybe so much so or so innocent because it does feel like almost like you're watching like an eight-year-old sometimes and then it's like all of a sudden it's like ah it's like she's but she i like that her her character is very much like a silent movie like she's told to sort of be that way once she's mute Mm -hmm. but you know the tap dancing in the hallway and the sort of the way she touches objects and things like that like you can just tell she's thinking her, her mind is just as busy as anyone else's. She just can't convey it mm-hmm. through dialogue. Yeah, like when she's playing with the raindrops on the window and the way she kind of like... Oh, I love that that transition, by the way. Yeah. That was yeah. great. A lot of really cool transitions in this movie. Yeah, and the way she, you know, she tucking the scarf in and like putting her hat up against the window to like rest. You can yeah. see all of the those emotions and all of those ideas that are clearly, like you said, running around in her head. And mm-hmm. she's conveying them with just a look on her face. Right, yeah. right. And the emotion of the scene where she's breaking down and being like, mm-hmm. we're all the same. Repeat mm-hmm. after me, what am I if, you know, if I can't talk and if I can't interact and if I don't mm-hmm. have love, like, then what am I? I'm just a creature, too. Right, right. Yeah. And the movie, you you feel what she's feeling through the movie. Mm-hmm. From curiosity to friendship to distress to love, the whole sadness the you're with her the entire time she's got a little spunk too when she's doing the whole like fuck you and, oh, yeah. design and everything is great stuff and mm-hmm. so she's not all like innocent you know she's she knows how to like fight back a little bit which is great yeah and i love the way that because they don't do subtitles for her all the time sometimes they just let the characters around speak for her mm-hmm. which is fine but in that moment where she's like signing out f-u-c-k-u right and then again, like FUs and just it's popping up like one letter at a time. It's just so much more impactful. And the way that Michael Shannon just goes from zero to I will I will choke this woman out if she doesn't tell me what she's saying mm-hmm. was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it becomes the the one control or bit of power she has over people mm-hmm. is you don't know what I'm communicating and I don't have to tell you. You can't make me. Yeah, what say is she saying? To you. Yeah. Tell what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. So we touched on it a little bit ago with the how would she get him unlocked? What did you think about the whole escape plan and the execution of it? Because that's like one of two really big like actiony pieces of this movie is the it's the escape and then all of the hullabaloo in the last like ten minutes. I like the way it plays out. I guess I thought there would be more planning and not just I happened to walk by someone having a cigarette break. And so I know that's the one camera I have to. he told me. (laughs) Yeah, right. And conveniently the lab, there's a hallway directly to the the loading dock. But it works and I like that all the different 
players converge simultaneously. You have the the friend driving up with the truck and getting stuck at the gate. You have her trying to throw him in and uh, Michael Stuhlbarg running around trying to plant whatever device it was that the Russians gave him. You have Zelda punching the clock and (laughs) it's not... Some of it was planned, but a lot of it isn't of everybody right. realizing what is going on and being like, okay, here we go. Yeah, J- J- Jenkins getting stopped is, is good stuff. He's like, I'm not good at this. And he's all like breaking down nervous. Yeah. Don't tell me you're belt. nervous. Yeah. His age is 57 is already like inking out. Oh, oh, and then when the thumb goes from 57 to 53. Right. Like, oh, no. It's okay. I've got my toupee. Yeah, it's not a terribly complex plan to get out of there, and I don't think it's meant to be because we're not really introduced to a lot of places that the idea is to be like, oh, I know that. That's the loading dock. Oh, okay, that's the hallway they're always in. Oh, that's the lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're not really introducing – it's like a, it's a very small movie. It's not a big movie in any – like we're – there's only like – It's really the two places. You can probably work. count the, the amount of sets in this movie like on one hand or two – definitely under two hands, but – Well, yeah, it's really – it's work – and it's the apartments. And then you t- you go to... Um, I mean, you go to a dock, you go to the sand pit where the Nazi party happened and dived at the smoochie and all this <laughs> other shit. But... I know, you had flashbacks as soon as you saw all those big sand dunes and construction equipment. Yeah, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Not a lot of sets in this movie. And a lot of places they want you to get familiar with, like her apartment, mm-hmm. which, again, I love it. I, I, I can't really think of an example of it, but I love when there's, like, someone's house is above, like, a place of, like, their own love, like, or think it's something that's very important to them, like the mm-hmm. movies or something like that. Like, the fact that she had, like, an apartment above a movie theater is, like, it's, like, something out of, like, a Tarantino wet dream. Like, you, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, like, that's uh, that's awesome. So, again, you can tell it's a cinephile's movie who directed it. Like, a guy, someone who loves the movies, directed this movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah. He probably wishes that he lived above the Orpheum Theater watching just old oh, right, Bible yeah. epics all day long. He's probably just as mad as the theater owner when all the water started coming down ruining the seats and everything. I know, that whole sequence is, is crazy. It's like, yeah, let me just put these five towels under the door. I love that. And, that will fit, and I can fill the whole dang bathroom with it. <laughs> That's good. Did you think that was going to happen? I mean, I, in the beginning, I know it's kind of whim, like a little uh, fantastical with like the way, which is a very cool entrance to the movie, by the way, which is the flooded apartment, and she's kind of just, and she's kind of floating above the sofa or something like that, and then she kind of just falls back down, falls the water's the pace, and the alarm's going off. I did think the whole apartment was going to get flooded at one point, but only because my memory of the trailers was oh. so dark. I honestly thought the whole thing took place underwater or something. Okay. And so then we realized we're in Baltimore. I'm like, I guess not. (laughs) I guess the apartment won't get flooded. But then once she put the towel down, I was like, oh, it's on. Oh, it's on. Yeah. Oh, it's on. (laughs) Well, because there's always those scenes and things where like a kid rescues uh, an aquatic where it's like, here, you need more space. Like, we're going to move you from the fish tank to the bathtub. We're going to move you from the bathtub to the swimming pool. Like that always... Happens in those. Usually, it's a kid rescuing yeah. something. Except Free Willy, they're trying to get him out of that smaller thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's the reverse of it. <laughs> the reverse of it. Yeah, but yeah, that is a pretty whimsical scene, and I love the look on her face when Giles finally opens the door and all the water rushes out, and she's just standing there like, 
Yeah, we're fucking. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, like the way she's like holding him, and yeah. like the like, she's just a very like sultry sort of like yeah. guilty look. Yeah. 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 Where it's like I can't, I just can't help myself. Like I get it, but yeah. like this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, I'm in love with this. this is the but you did time tell did, me, it's awesome. yeah, yeah, it goes back to yeah. he said. Second time's even better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if I were younger, I'd take better care of my teeth and I would fuck more. Yeah. Oh, that's a great line, all of that, too, yeah. Yeah, so she's just taking that to heart. She's mm-hmm. like, you know what? It's never too late to fuck more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I, I'm recalling one scene where you were, like, the first, uh, I think, the first sign of, like, graphic violence or blood that we see, I think, is, like, the fingers popping off or something like that. But you're like, oh. I remember you audibly were like, ah. The, the the thing that really got me is when he fish hooks. Um, oh yeah, I mean that, I think we all. I, I mean that's something that I forgot too. You know, I was I was on edge because because of the cat murder 10, 20 minutes before. I I had recovered from the cat murder, but you know everybody gets murdered and Michael Stuhlbarg is up against the wall. There's a hole in his cheek and. He was doing good jaw acting where he was holding his mouth in a way. I was like, oh, he looks like he's in pain. And then Michael Shannon comes in and sticks probably his gangrenous fingers in his fucking mouth and, like, pulls him. Literally fish up fish out. And it mm-hmm. was so disgusting. I had yeah. to look away. Yeah, because then he's uh, dragging him through the rain and he's screaming. Yeah, and he's sticking and... more fingers in his stomach. And it's like. And mm-hmm. that, that was hard to watch. When he rips his own fingers off, I was like, finally, we're yeah. doing something yeah. about this. Well, when he first starts to pop them in the car, like when he's, you know, high on oh, like killers car, like, or whatever. Or whatever yeah. yeah, and he smells them, and then he's like, no. I thought he was actually going to, like, I forgot, you know, what was going to happen in that moment. And I thought he was going to pull them off then. Mm-hmm. And so then when he still had them, I was like, oh, I guess he just wanted to rip the stitch a little and just have it ooze for a second for whatever yeah. sick twisted pleasure he has going on mm-hmm. only give me El Toros <laughs> yeah but yeah no the fish hook at the end all of the murders at the end what did you think of the whole ending sequence from extraction to Doc when he's extracted from the apartment yeah like so for, he leaves the apartment and you know that Michael Shannon's on the case yeah the Russians are gonna meet him and that's when we we kick off this whole carousel of violence. Oh, um, tense because you know that she's gonna have. They're going to have to say goodbye to each other. Mm-hmm. Our main couple. We know that Michael Shannon is high on pills, high on adrenaline. Juju bees or Mike and Ike's, whatever the fuck he's getting in the whole movie. His his green gobstoppers or whatever. Yeah. It made me want candy. I'm sorry. I know. I might stop at CVS on the way home. Um, I think it plays out well, almost as a mini horror movie. Yeah. Especially when he shows up at Zelda's house. Which is a great scene. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, esp- and so looking back on it now, I know I touched on not necessarily needing the overtly racist pie guy or the racism for Michael Shannon, but I think it comes back full circle in this scene mm-hmm. because... The way Zelda's husband immediately sits down is like the, I don't want no trouble. Like, mm-hmm. he knows that this crazy-ass white man just rolled up into his house and is shoving his wife up against the wall. Yeah. And he knows that if I do anything, even with my bad back, that, <laughs> like, I'm probably going to get, you know, a shot in the face. Yeah. Right. 
because yeah. you don't talk back to the authority figures or whatever in 1962. Yeah, yeah. this person is connected with some sort of law enforcement or force in some way. When he knows where his wife works and that there's he, government clearance and everything. So he knows if this person's rolling in, she exactly doesn't have this diverse you know, grouping of friends, I would imagine. Yeah. So chances mm-hmm. are it's somebody from work and that's probably someone you don't want to fuck around with. Yeah. Especially yeah. if he knows that yeah. she helped. She helped. Also, you suck. What is his name? Uh, something with a B. Yeah. It's like, it's not Bernard, but it's like something. Yeah. Something, like yeah. That. something in that realm. Like, all you had to do was be, was be quiet. Yeah. Brewster. Brewster, that's yeah. it. All these years you don't say a word, now you can't shut your goddamn yeah, mouth. Octavia Spencer is great in this. She's, yeah. she's arguably one of the best characters in the movie, too. Yeah. But yeah, that scene is really good. Wouldn't be a Michael Shannon movie without some sort of biblical parable or something going oh, on. Right. Again, which, again, he just spits, like, all the time in Boardwalk Empire, and I think of a few other movies that I've seen, but... Great little thing about Samson and Delilah. I don't remember too much of it, but it was it was it was good in the mm-hmm. moment, and it worked. And uh, yeah, it's all about how the you know the guy's losing his strength, and God gives him the strength to continue, and he uses that strength to just pull the roof down over all the people that were fucking him over. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's what he's threatening to do is like I'm going to get my strength back, and I'm going but to. But I can forgive you essentially. Yeah, if yeah. you help me, you get to leave the room before I collapse the roof on all those who. You yeah. Know, stopped me in my pursuit of power right mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i personally thought it ramped up considerably towards the end as yeah and shot again i don't remember this the, the the last couple of beats with them getting shot but i was kind of shocked a little bit by that i was like oh yeah. and i was like i mean obviously you maybe get like someone getting hit in the head like pistol whipped and mm-hmm. you know maybe yeah maybe amphibious man or Jerry, whatever, call him, gets shot. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, <laughs> or she gets kicked into the water and she kind of drowns and the, the gills come out. Like, I don't know what was going to happen. I forgot. But yeah, like all three of them pretty much getting shot. Well, uh, Jenkins doesn't get shot. Giles. Yeah. yeah. He just gets, he just he, gets, he, he, he gets, he gets punched like, and then right. the Jerry, our amphibian friend, yeah. gets. Just two in the chest. Yeah. And. Than her right afterwards. I was yeah. like, yeah, right oh in my the God, gu- are right. they? Yeah, so in that moment, they're, they're each shot. They're lying on the ground. They do the hand-holding. Do you mm. think that's it for them? Or do you think that the whimsical healing powers of I can make you regrow hair and your scars can go away, did you think that was enough to reverse death? I figured that it, it was going to reverse death at one point. Okay. But yeah. I was still... Yeah, because the movie has shown you a lot of interesting, mm-hmm. unique moves that it could have been like they died in each other's arms or something like that, like something dark or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we just got off the the leg, the the heels of watching Seven, so I think we <laughs> yeah. we, we know what a movie's capable of doing yeah. as far as where 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 it would leave us. But and they do a good job in the other instances of showing his like magic powers. Yeah, of it so not being know. immediate though. Mm-hmm. So like. Giles doesn't know that his hair has grown back until the very next morning. So you figure eight hour, eight plus hours, his his arm isn't healed until the next morning. So again, another eight, ten hours of since that touching happened, you're not going to assume in that moment then that they will immediately come back to life because his magic powers before took some time right. to 
to work. And I kind of wish they the kept on experience. like working like over the course of like, the last twenty minutes. He just keeps like de aging into like a twenty year old guy or something. Like I would have yeah. loved seeing that shit. I mean, that's just stupid, but I mean, that's just something <laughs> I would laugh at. But it actually would have made sense because he talked about the advice he'd give himself as a younger man. So if he almost all of a sudden reverses age, or his hair grows in and he his wrinkles go away and they yeah. de age him, it's like oh he's getting he's going to get his chance. He said he was a man out of time. He was born too early yeah. or too late. I'm going to the orthodontist, and then I'm going to the whorehouse. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the bathhouse, I guess. Or the bathhouse, yeah. <laughs> <Just Yes. guess. laughs> yeah, the movie doesn't take too many bad turns or wrong turns or steps back, but yeah, it just makes a lot of weird sort of decisions. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I couldn't point to a thing technically that i didn't like there are some things that i don't personally like just as a matter of my own preference the michael shannon characterization in general is you know what springs to mind Mm -hmm. but i mean he is kind of like the gaston or he yeah Yeah. but like even that even gaston was kind of reserved a bit yeah he was a dick but he wasn't like yeah vile and i'm gonna bring the house down and i'm gonna Fuck your mute yeah. friend. And then I'm going to show you my report card. Yeah. Where it says I was not a pleasure to ha- have in class. Like, more, every yeah. terrible Buy thing. Buy two more Cadillacs. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gladys Cadillac got... Got rocked got, yeah. early on, yeah. Mm-hmm. But during the heist, like, during the escape. But you could tell he he could care less. He only did it, like, to appease his wife or whatever was going on. He didn't give a shit about the car. I don't yeah. think he really cared. It, no. It's about his perception as yeah. a man. Yeah. It's a symbol of power. It's a symbol of status. That's mm-hmm. And that's preyed upon in the dealership where the guy's like, eight out of ten successful men are driving Cadillacs. That, and, uh, one of the funniest scenes in the movie, too. Yeah. Like, it's short, but he's like... He saw the spitting, like... Oh, he just sort of like comes around perfectly. It's perfectly composed and everything, and... You know, he's like, and I, maybe I'm just talking too much or something like that. I, don't, I forget the no. line, but Michael oh. Shannon's like, I'm just, I'm just browsing around. He's like, and I'm just talking, and I'm just <laughs> talking. Yeah, I love that line. Such a good car Such a salesman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, a, just a really bizarre movie overall. It's one that I really, again, like I, we said it plenty of times, that I want to love, but it's just something that I just, I, I like it. I admire it. I don't know. I would ever wholesomely recommend it to someone, but I have to sit with it more. I think it is a very it feels weird to say a very romantic movie, mm. but I just don't. I think it comes down to pacing. More... The pacing is a yeah. Weird, it's a, you know? it starts Practicing. and stops. It you know throws curveballs mm-hmm. when it doesn't necessarily need to, and then it's super straightforward when you could probably use the curveball. Like it just it bounces all over the place in terms of what kind of movie it wants to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, would you rather than, like, spend, like, the first two-thirds of the movie in the lab, escape them, and kind of get into the dock? We don't even get... Never brings her back to the apartment. Like, we're, like, she just does the whole love thing. They make love at the lab. They do all of that stuff at the lab. Would you think that would maybe be better, pacing-wise? No, I don't think so. I like the overall arc, but it where the movie expends its focus feels strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel a lot like a storybook, but where, you know, there's beautiful illustrations at the center, but there's also all of this stuff going around the side of the page, too, and you almost wish I had a little bit more room at the center of the page instead of 
there's really neat stuff in the margins and in the borders, but what's going on yeah. in the center? Like we said, I think at least 10 to 15 minutes could have fallen on the cutting room floor, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 a hard one to peg why, why I don't particularly thrilled about this movie, but yeah, it's just... Well, especially because overall, I think we've all kind of come to the consensus that like, it's good. Like, it's yeah. a good movie. Oh, yeah. I think and there's so much about it that yeah. works. And but there's just that one nagging thing that you can't put your finger on of like, why not? Like why yeah. isn't this? Oh my god! Whoa, whoa! What an amazing movie! It's just like wow, that was really good. Bro. Like I'm curious to oh. go back and like watch the trailer because I think it's one of those movies that probably looked amazing trailer. Like if you there's so much things you could have cut from this movie and made an amazing trailer with mm-hmm. the score and everything, like mm-hmm. all the visuals and things that are going on. And like that's awesome, but you stretch two and two and a half minutes into two hours and a couple of, it just doesn't and I'm not it's a weird argument but I'm just saying like I think it would have looked awesome as a trailer or short you know as a you know it's probably an amazing short to yeah. be honest with you like a 20 minute 22 minute short yeah would have worked awesome like a great episode of an anthology series yeah where it's like okay here's the episode about the woman who falls in love with the fish man and then the next episode is some other fantastical core element so not necessarily a love story, but something that is very fairy tale like with another, you know, out there kind of slant to it. Sure. Now that's funny you mentioned that. As far as like maybe just being episodic or maybe making this like a TV show, do you think it would have survived better being like an anthology of being like eight episodes? Where I know we talk about maybe the fleshed out part is hurting it, but do you think if we spend more time? In areas, and it wasn't a movie that it would have worked any better. No, because you would lose some of the magic. Yeah, you do need some of the just like a montage of her making eggs. That yeah, it feels it makes the movie feel very dreamlike. And I feel like if it was an an episodic story, you would have had whole episodes where you don't even see the amphibian man. Like there would have been yeah. Whole I mean, there, there'd be like, ones where you go back to her as a kid being found by the dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? You would have other things again. I'm just just. Yeah. I'm talking out loud, but... Yeah. No, I think if you had... I think the way this movie would have worked absolutely, like, perfection for me is if it was probably uh, either a half an hour or that, like, 45-minute hour-long episode of some anthology series that takes normal-style stories, like A Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella or whatever, but puts Mm -hmm. a more fantasy, you know, overlay to it. Yeah. That would be a really cool series that I would watch where every episode is different and this one is just the hour-long, you know, fish lover story. Yeah, like Twilight Zone, but... Yeah, exactly. But not necessarily, but more like more Twilight fantastical. Zone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this movie. Yeah. It's a I, great it's, movie. It's probably what we thought about when we walked out of the theater or, yeah. or wherever we end up watching it. It was just kind of like, yeah, it's some did, really did, cool stuff, but... Fine, like, I watched what? it. Yeah. <laughs> fine, I watched it. <laughs> kind of. Like, <laughs> I mean, do, you said you want to sit with it. Do you think you want to see it again? Do you think another no. viewing of it? No. Now that you know the ending? Where right there's now, the no. tension? No? no. Okay. It was a magical, it was an experience. It's a nice ride. Nice ride. Yeah. Thank you for your time. <laughs> and it's not even like the worst movie we've watched here. I feel like I'm being much more hard on it. No, it's I just... just have... The expectations, I think, were a little high for this one. Yeah. I will say, though, I would like to add this. I do have, like, a playlist of, like, scores that, like, that I like. I probably oh. will dump that in there. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting about it. 
I think gorgeous. Al- yeah, Alexander Desplat is a great composer, and he does a lot of good stuff. And it sounds very reminiscent to the Curious Kids of Benjamin Button score, which I think we talked about last week. But you guys, mm-hmm. neither one of you saw that movie. No. Yeah, so it's 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 very similar, which is again a strong point of the mm-hmm. the Benjamin Button movie, but. Yeah, very mixing in it, the songs and records and stuff too is really yeah. nice. Yeah, it has a very like it has like that French sort of like mm-hmm. accordion thing going yeah. on where I always forget. Of course, I'm always forget because I've only seen it for a second time. But in the beginning, I'm like, "That's right, they're New Orleans," and I'm like, "No, they're not in New Orleans. They're in Baltimore." Because it yeah. has like that French feeling, and they're like, "Oh, they must be like in," you know. I think one of the songs is even the lyrics are in French. Like one of the ones like in the middle when the water droplets. I think the song is playing during that transition. Yeah, right. Is in French. Mm-hmm. You would think it would be on this, like like old school Bourbon Street or like yeah. the, uh, mm-hmm. the French New Quarter, all that yeah. stuff down there. She has way, shorter but. dark hair. Reads as French yeah. to me. Again, I think the reason why it's in Baltimore because they need to have some sort of like government DC sort of shit going on with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wouldn't have worked as well if you were in Wisconsin or Texas, like the places they all say they came from for this research sure. project. Mm-hmm. And obviously we needed a coastal city or something like that. So, Yeah, so they could escape. Yeah, we're not doing this in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to let you go. Although I feel like if you're the government, that's the move. Yeah. Don't bring the aquatic creature to a coastal city where if it gets out, it could just hop in the ocean and get out of here. Yeah. Like, Bring it to a land, bring it to Iowa. It'll bring be, it, yeah, yeah, it'll be season five of Fargo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring it to the Dakotas. Yeah. Like, bring it anywhere where it can't escape to open water. <laughs> it's really your fault. You should have seen this coming. I am interested. I forgot what I believe Guillermo is slated to do another fantasy sci-fi movie coming up. So I'll always be interested in that. I don't think this would ever deter me from like, Mm-hmm. Not seeking out his other movies. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, he is sort of doing another movie in the vein of this sort of tone. So, again, it's an intriguing enough new movie where I'm like, I'll see a movie that's kind of like this, but mm-hmm. here's a few notes, Gimio. Like, don't fuck, with, <laughs> don't fuck around with the Russians and don't do this. And No, I'll, I'll probably... Not so many smelly fingers next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll still watch it. Yeah. But... And it's a weird one because you couldn't even see this. I don't think how this movie would survive like on TV, to be honest with you. I think mm. there's a lot of weird things going on where mm. you, just, I I mean, you, just wouldn't, you just wouldn't get it unless you saw it uncut first and then you went into it. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe. There'd just be a lot of blur. Like you couldn't cut whole scenes necessarily that have like the violence or the sexuality, but you'd, you'd blur it. And it yeah. certainly couldn't play on every channel. No, right, right, right. To anyone who does have cable anymore, you do so. What you said, you have cable still. Well, I have like YouTube TV. Oh, okay, good. cool. Well, I mean, anything else that you guys want to touch on, Bridget? Any final thought, any wrap up you want to do here? No, not that I think would add anything. Like, it just I would recommend people watch it and see what you take out of it. There are a lot of neat references down to like the movies that are playing and the different biblical references and. I'm still I'm still digesting. Yeah. Johnny, anything else that you want to get out there before we wrap things up? Uh not particularly. Really enjoyed it. Movies should have more space dogs, eggs, <laughs> correct records, things like that. Yeah. I, I again I enjoy a lot of pieces of this movie. They just don't really all fit in the sandbox, I think. Yeah, it's not yeah. greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Like but the sum of its parts is still like an eight. Yeah. I think. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like right. it's still it's still a really good movie. That if someone was like, hey, should I watch Shape of Water? I don't think any of us would be like, 
no, don't. You'd be like, yeah, no, you you should watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're gonna, you might take away something different. You might yeah. really fall in love with the love story element. I might have a caveat or two for that person, but beyond that, yeah. Uh, but I mean, someone who could get wrapped up in the love story element of it and all those little other things that we notice with the critical eye might just fall away because you're like, oh my god, these people love each other. I'm rooting for them. Uh, when they got to the docks, and I thought it was over, it was uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, I, you know, like you, if you just bought into the main thread of it. All that other stuff right. falls by the wayside, and it just becomes a really good movie. But when you look at all of it, it doesn't it doesn't equal out to the best possible version of itself. Yeah, I mean, I would say like just bluntly, like I would say, if you're an adult and you still enjoy fairy tales, like then I would recommend it. But mm-hmm. to other people outside, if you don't like fairy tale movies, I don't think you're going to enjoy it because there are there are point. there are elements for you in this that you'd be like, oh, that was gnarly, or that was funny, or whatever. You'll. Yeah. You'll laugh at certain things, you'll shriek at certain things, but people who enjoy like fairy tales, like again, like the Pan's Labyrinth, or mm-hmm. you know, more adult uh, movies that are a little more whimsical, I would recommend to them. Everyone else, it's a pass. I don't don't watch it. I don't think. Yeah, don't go into this expecting you've got mail. Like <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah if or multiplicity you, or something. Yeah, yeah get yeah, put on some old school Nora Ephron and yeah, right. Leave this to the to us weirdos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of Guillermo del Toro's movies. Uh, Do you have a particular favorite? What do you think of The Shape of Water? Uh, Do you enjoy the movie? Do you think it you know, should be shorter, longer, episodic. Uh, do you think it deserved to have won Best Picture at the 2017-2018 Oscars? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for Fine, I'll Watch It, my name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.